This is the Advanced Selling Podcast presented by Kasky Achievement Strategies. The aim of this podcast is to help business sales teams grow their business with modern strategies and philosophies. Now your hosts, Bill Kasky and Brian Neal. Welcome back to the Advanced Selling Podcast. This is Bill Kasky. My co-host today is not Brian Neal, who is in abstention. I don't know where the hell he is today, but Brooke Green. Good morning. Yeah, Brooke joins us, and she's been on before, so you recognize that beautiful voice of hers versus our ugly, rough voices. Uh, we're talking today about large account pursuits, and you have a uh, an actual situation, a, a success story that happened with one of your clients, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about that today. So uh, that is our focus and our topic. You can go to advancedsellingpodcast.com if you want to. Uh, sign up for emails whenever we release a new episode. You can do that. Also, there's all sorts of uh, back issues there. We've got about uh, 55 or 60 podcasts, all about 10 to 15 minutes. We publish every Thursday. And the first Thursday of the month is the Sales Management Podcast. This is for salespeople. You know, you've, you've been with our firm now for uh, quite a while. And in our firm, we do a lot of sales consulting and training. And we'll go into a company who has 20 to 2,000 salespeople and will be there for a while, six months, a year, several years. And one of the parts we play is, and the roles we play, is coaching, coaching mm-hmm. people on deals. And, and that's something that I know you're very good at and very uh, conscious of how important it is to work with people on a one-on-one basis. So I want to I get to that and, and how you've worked with this client who just generated a monster account. One of your clients just got a, a wonderful piece of business. But I want to start with this idea of large accounts, and some people call them whales, some people call them uh, key accounts, some people call them whatever, the, managing the, the, the and acquiring the large account. And I think sometimes we we sort of put that large account in a little bit different bucket than we do our normal accounts. And I know you've got some very specific opinions on that, so let's talk about that a little bit. What do you think okay. one of the mistakes that we make? Because you've had a lot of experience in not only – acquiring large accounts from previous lives, but also helping your current clients get large accounts. Right. So give me a little opinion that you have on that. Let's start with that. Okay. And I think most of our listeners are familiar with our way of teaching. Obviously, it's very soulful, very much about what's in your heart and what's in your gut and really relating to the people on the other side of the table as a human being and not a dollar sign, a deal, which is a little bit different than most sales training. And I think we hear a lot that, you know, your way of teaching is very good for smaller deals, you know, smaller companies, but it would never work for a larger a larger account, a larger deal. And I just don't buy that. A human being is a human being. I think um, in my past life, I worked with a lot of large companies, and I think what helped us win business was that we treated them just like we treated the smaller guys. You know, it was a human-to-human relationship. Just because it's a, a bigger company and a bigger deal doesn't mean that they don't have personal investment in it, personal pain around what's broken, and don't have the same sense of relief that you can fix it that a smaller company or a smaller deal does. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I've, I've recognized that, too. We work with a couple of large companies, just regional divisions, and uh, you're right, I mean, all large companies are just really a conglomeration of a lot of smaller units, divisions, smaller companies within those large companies, and those people have budgets and they have problems and they have business objectives. I've always said that companies don't feel anything. 
So if you're talking to a large client prospect versus a small one, the company itself doesn't feel any pain, doesn't feel any emotion. It's the people inside the company that do it. So right. I think I agree with you. I think once you start to treat them differently and say, okay, we've got a totally different process. Now, I do recognize things are different sometimes. The politics are different. The number of people you need to contact are different. But they're still human beings, and that's your point. Well, and I think, too, it just made me think of something. When you are dealing with larger companies or larger deals, sometimes the sales process is longer. So I really think there's a benefit in getting to know the people, building some rapport on a different level than just the deal level. It makes it easier to stay in touch with them. It makes them want to communicate with you. It's just a different mindset. Yeah. So in a way, it's even more important to do the humanness and the soulfulness and the, and the really connecting with people at a large so. business. Well, let's talk about this situation that you had. One of your clients uh, just acquired a huge piece of business. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say it's just saying the tens of millions of dollars. You know who you are if you're listening. Oh, they know who they Congratulations. are. Congratulations. Yeah. But I thought it would be useful for our listeners to talk a little bit about some of the things that you coached them on as you went through the process. Because this process obviously was not a one-call close. This was a this was an ongoing, continuous pursuit. Tell me a little bit about how it started. Maybe build the groundwork a little bit here about how this started and, and some of the things you suggested to them and worked with them and coached them on through this process. Okay, on this specific deal? Yeah, on this specific deal. Okay. I think that'd be good. The group that we're um, working with is not salespeople. They are professional services people. Well, it's impossible for them to get a $50 million, $60 million deal if they're not salespeople, isn't it? No, Bill. Oh, it's not. It's is that not. a trick question? Maybe it's better if you don't bring the sales team in. <laughs> hey, there's an idea. <laughs> All right. Sorry to interrupt. So after I taught them how to shake hands and wink, we... I'm kidding. <laughs> wink and point. <laughs> yeah. Pull the gun out. Uh-huh. Our favorite move. Um, I actually You're going to be a things. speaker next year. You're going to have to learn that move. Yeah. Oh, I got it down. I do it in the mirror <laughs> You do morning. it in the mirror. It's my mantra. Run away from someone who points, shoots, shoots. and winks. <laughs> <laughs> there is no good going on there. So the you know the first thing we had to do was get them okay that they had a right to be in front of people talking about having them give them many millions of dollars. I think they're a very quiet group. They're a very passionate group about what they do, and it was um, almost like, well, we're not worthy to talk about how good we are or to help people understand how we can help them solve problems. So we really worked on you know, how they thought from the very beginning and really understanding their value and how to identify it. Because I think sometimes when you're sitting in the middle of it, it's very hard for you to see what it is that makes you special. Definitely, very um, hard. And then communicating it in a way that's not puking all over them, your features and benefits, but instead helping them see how you've helped other people, putting them in the situation so that they can understand what it felt like to have the problem identified and to have it solved. So we really... Um, Spent a lot of time on that. So that's the that's really the inner game. That's the mental part of this for them because they're not used to being in these situations, many of them. So right. how did you do that? Was it just a matter of talking them through it, or was it were there some exercises you gave them? We spend three hours a month together, and we teach a lot of theory, but mostly we talk about what they have really going on, which is our way of teaching. We feel like that's sort of where the magic happens is applying what you teach to real-life situations. You know, most of their deals are pretty large that they work on. So we had a lot of opportunity to talk about what those needed to look like. And I think what really happened with them or the biggest shift in thinking was they always wanted to go with how the prospect was running the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go to their process. Well, they said they need us to do this, but I don't really feel comfortable doing that because I don't know enough yet. And it really was talking them over and over again saying, 
if you know that this is the best way for you to help them, you have to speak up by saying, yeah. you know what, Mr. Prospect, I know you really want a range of price right now, or I know you really want answers to your questions, but I don't know enough yet. And if you know, you're really looking to engage in a partnership here, you're going to have to trust me mm-hmm. that I need to get these things answered and, and not making it about you know, holding back or being belligerent about giving no, them information, right. but or all evasive. with the intention of, I know that this is the best way for me to help you. And I think that really made them okay. Because when you stop making it about you being boastful and telling people how great you are and making it about them, it almost feels like, gosh, I can't not tell them how mm-hmm. I could help them with this. So that's really, that's a huge, I mean, that you just kind of glossed over it there, but making this whole sales process about the prospect and their pains and issues and dreams is difficult to do because many times in a larger account, they will sort of put the seller into a commodity box and they will dictate many times. So that's the first lesson I would think is take a stand and do what you believe in, but make it about the prospect and their problems and never forget that, which I would suspect is pretty easy to forget on a large deal. Oh yeah. I mean, there was, you know, some of the, I know that some of the companies that were competing on in this, there was jobs on the line, you Mm -hmm. know, so that even creates more, more pressure, attachment. And, to, and to getting it done. So that was the first thing. You worked on the inner game. As they started to meet with this prospect, I know you were involved in some pre-planning meetings. Mm-hmm. What did you see? And this is not picking on them. I think this is a general thing here. We're talking about a specific client. But what did you see them resort to and default to? Did you see them default to kind of the old way sometimes, even though they were pretty well schooled in the new methods? Yeah, they had their moments. I think, you know, when you know you make the short list and you know you're going up against two other people and you can assume what their presentations are going to look like, your your tendency is to make yours kind of the same, but flashier, you know, better music, whatever. Louder. Yeah. Yell yell at them. (laughs) More people in the room. (laughs) And they're really good at the technical aspect of their presentation. Really cool media. So I knew they had that down. But we really talked about instead of approaching it from here's who we are, here's how great we are, here's all the things that we do, we're really big, we've got offices all over. We came at it from we know that this is what goes wrong in these type of um So your client knows what their prospect is going to go through during this whole cycle of not even right. just the bidding but also the once they get the sign it the implementation of, the work. of it. Okay. Right. So that was the center point. Yeah, so they really approached it from you know, here's what we found our experiences, and here's how we work when those things go wrong or when those things happen or when those things crop up. So they approached it from, you know, we could stand here and tell you how great we are, but we'd rather talk about how we understand what's going to happen and how we can kind of nip it before it gets there. That's a big idea. That's a very big idea. Because I'm sure that as I sit here and think about the other people competing for this job, they were probably sitting around a table like you guys were saying, well, how can we put ourselves in the best light? And rarely does a company say, well, let's talk about all the things that can go wrong. And you did because every customer knows shit happens. I mean, stuff happens. So you had the courage and you had the coaching to give them the courage to bring those things up. Well, and what was interesting is there was some people involved in the presentation for my client that came from other offices that are not involved in our training. And as we started talking about this, I heard some people say, you know, gosh, isn't that kind of a bummer? Isn't you know, that we really too negative? We really want to bum them out during our big, beautiful presentation. <laughs> and I just find, I think that's so funny because, you know, who else is going to come in and allow them 
the space to talk about right. what's not happy about this. Nobody I is. mean, it's and that's probably the biggest thing in their head. You know, these people are excited about winning this business. All they can think about is, oh, this is going to be a big undertaking. This is going to be hard, no matter who we choose. A lot of things are going to happen. There's going to be a lot going on. Who can best help us through that? Manage yeah. all that. You know, I always say if there's an elephant in the room, you should be the one to introduce it. It yeah. shouldn't be introduced by your prospect. Don't put a blanket over it and pretend no. it's not there. <laughs> Treat it like lamp. Blanket. What is that blanket over there? It's got a big hump there. Okay, so th- that's the second thing. Was there a third piece of advice that you had as you were going through some of the pre-meeting coaching? I think for this particular client, the people that they were in front of could award them business daily, lots of business over and over and over again. It's kind of their main prospect all the time. So I think there's a tendency to when you're presenting to this particular project trying to sneak in all the other cool stuff you can do and you know really try to showcase everything that you can do and this company has several different divisions they do a lot of different things. This was just one particular unit of their business and they did a really great job of just focusing on the pain that was brought up in the RFP, just really speaking to the issue at hand and not you know, t- not taking their eye off yeah. the ball because I think that people tend to do that, and then the people you're presenting to kind of forget all the great stuff you presented and what the main issue is. They did a really good job of focusing on this job and what they could do and what it would look like, and kept the rest of their greatness to themselves. Yeah, it could become a distraction, and people are already ADD to an extent mm-hmm. in business, given all the the overwhelming nature of their jobs and emails and in, inbound things. So. That takes a lot of discipline to not say, well, we also do this, and it would be cool if we had a, something over here. And mm-hmm. So I think exactly. that was a lot of discipline there. After they uh, received the business, I know you had some conversation with them. Was there anything that they felt that they did differently as a result of your work with them than they might have done a year ago or so? Yes, they were kind enough to call me and tell me that. And they, you know, I certainly don't want to take any credit for no, this because they, no, they worked that really hard for this. this. But I think the main message I got from the people that I talked to was we just showed up differently. We approached it differently. What do you mean showed up differently? We came to it as experts, knowing what was best for the client and with the intention of making a stand, as you said earlier. And if they didn't want to play the game the way we knew we could serve them best, then we were probably not going to be the best fit for them. Mm-hmm. And that really showed through both in how they presented and how they felt about how they presented, and then also to the prospect, I think they looked completely different. You know, they asked for meetings before the presentation, which nobody has ever done, and and they got them. You know, they had conversations that they probably would not have dared asked for or questions that they asked that they probably would not have dared to ask Mm -hmm. prior to, you know, really understanding their value, and I think that's what it all boils down to. See, I think that is true, and if you draw concentric circles and in the middle you have, and I know our listeners know that we preach that you have to be a value to the customer by bringing a solution to a problem. Mm -hmm. And that's not just as easy as saying, what's your problem? It's really digging down and finding out what are the issues you're struggling with? What are you during the implementation? I know that was a big part of it. There's going to be problems. There's going to be things that happen. And so predicting some of those and addressing those, when you have that problem orientation, Everything else changes around it. Mm-hmm. How many times you meet with them, what the conversations are like, what your agendas look like, how you follow up, what your proposal looks like, everything changes. And it doesn't have to change a lot for it to look different from the other people. Right. Yeah, I would agree. Well, I'm glad you came in today and told us about this. I know you blogged on this on BillKasky.com, so you can mm-hmm. go, listeners can go 
capture a little bit more of that, but I thought it would be good to talk about it because I think there are some things that happen, you know, and you're a very articulate person and verbally that would help people get some of these things. So uh, I'm glad you came in today. Join us next week on the Advanced Selling Podcast. You can also call us at 317-722-6299 if you have any comment. We're starting to get more and more emails and letters, and we're going to deal with some of those uh, here in the upcoming weeks before the end of the year. Some of the questions that our listeners have and some of the comments, maybe some uh, issues that we didn't cover as well as we could have. You can also go to podzinger.com, P-O-D-Z-I-N-G-E-R, and you can search for specific audio content. In other words, if you want to know how to do a first call, just go to Podzinger, click on our podcast, type in first call, and it will actually queue up anything that we talk about where we talk about first calls. It's cooler than hell. It's really neat. Um, anyway, this is Bill Kasky along with Brooke Green. We'll see you next time. This has been the Advanced Selling Podcast presented by Kasky Achievement Strategies Indianapolis. Join us each time we record a new podcast by going to BillKasky.com or to iTunes.